Welcome back to another episode of the Preschool Pioneers. I am your host, Jeremy Walker. You can follow us on our parent network, CR101 Radio, on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, Gab, Rumble, and YouTube. And you can subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform so that you never miss an episode. Visit cr101radio.com forward slash preschool pioneers for these links. So let's get started. This episode is entitled F is for Fairy Tales How Humanism Attempts to Convince Children to Reject Faith Only to Embrace Fairy Tales as Facts. Welcome back, everybody. We want to start today with answering why Christians should become teachers. Well, Christians should become teachers because humanism attempts to convince children to reject the Word of God and the world of reality and teaches delusional humanistic fairy tales as if they were facts. Millions of children every year are raised on destructive stories based on the humanistic faith and religion. When these children are grown and live out the faith that they have been taught all of their lives, their lives are filled with pain destruction, loneliness, and even death. If Christians are going to help change this trend, they're going to have to get involved, and that starts by teaching children the truth from the youngest of ages. On this episode of Preschool Pioneers, I want to tell you a few humanistic fairy tales. Fairy tales that are told to children all around the world and how they work in our children to affect their futures, and the pain that they can cause. I want to start, if you'll bear with me, I want to tell you 10 fairy tales. These fairy tales are going to be based off of the opposite of what we as Christians have as the Ten Commandments and the truths that are behind the basis for those Ten Commandments. So if you will, join me for a second as we enter the fairy tale world of humanism. On the surface, it sounds great. It has wonderful pictures and coloring books. But down below, there is nothing but death and decay for the future for those children that become gripped by these doctrines. So join me if you can as we enter into the fairy tale world of humanism. Let's start with number one, shall we? I've called it the fairy tale of the self-existing world. Well, once upon a time, there was nothing. And then, bang, something happened. And then that something did more things. And after a really, really, really long time, with things doing things and other things without any guidance, purpose, or direction, we have the world that we have today. And you, young child, are one of the results of the somethings doing things for no reason. And you have no reason, no meaning, and no purpose. Ah, oh, isn't that such a wonderful fairy tale? The Big Bang, nothingness, purpose, gone, meaning gone, and future for children also 
equally gone. Let me tell you a fairy tale for number two. The fairy tale of the morality makers. Once upon a time, there was a world full of people. They were all endowed with the authority by the universal nothingness with the personal independence to determine for themselves what things that they thought to be good and what things that they thought to be evil. The only thing that could limit their freedom is someone else stronger than themselves who would be able to force them into submission or even kill them. Ah, what a beautiful fairy tale of would-be gods that can do anything they want and the only thing they have to fear is somebody stronger than themselves. The only way to really prosper in such the world as this is to be stronger, where only the strong survive. Number three fairy tale, the fairy tale of the big nothingness. Once upon a time, there were men that were born, lived, and died. Nothing that they did, whether it was good or evil, it, none of it really mattered in the end. In the grave, the body of man turns to dust. And in the grave, there is neither reward for any deeds that were done, nor are there any punishments for any evil done in life. The life of man has no ultimate standard, and there are no such things as good men or evil men. There are just men. What a wonderful fairy tale this is. The world means nothing. Your deeds mean nothing. There's no reason for you to fear any standard that you have to meet. Nothing's going to happen to you once you're dead. So really in this life, do whatever you wish. Don't worry about the consequences. Once again, as we learned in fairy tale number two, the only thing you have to fear is somebody stopping you from doing that which you want. But nothing that you do is really good or evil. So why don't you just live life as you see fit and not worry about the rest? Moving on to fairy tale number four. The fairy tale of the carefree carnivals. Once upon a time, there was a world where the goal of man was to be free from work and labor. Leisure time and personal enjoyment and ease was the highest attainable state of being. For some men to live a life of leisure, comfort, and ease, while well, others must be forced to work to provide, you know, for their every need. Not everyone can live a life of complete comfort and carelessness, so the many must be forced to provide for the few. What a wonderful fairy tale of subjection and slavery of mankind. People that seek to do nothing, be unproductive, and be self-indulgent their entire lives. And after all, they deserve it. And people must, through either Social Security or otherwise, be forced to provide for you. Men that have must be stolen from so that the haves can give to the have-nots. Until every man is free from work and only 
has times of leisure. Fairy tale number five. The fairy tale of the lone wolves. Once upon a time, the world was full of men that owed no allegiance, honor, respect, or obedience to any. These men were free from responsibility, obligation, and sacrifice to anyone other than themselves. The freest men were those brave enough to do what they wanted, when they wanted, without any thought or obligation to another. Ah, such a wonderful fairy tale, where men can be free, none can command, they can do as they wish, without consequence, without any obligation to care for the needs of others, and they can just be themselves anytime they want to be, free to come, free to go, free to be me. Fairy tale number six. The fairy tale of the barbarian kings. Once upon a time, there were men that lived their lives to the fullest. The greatest achievement possible and the best life imaginable was to crush their enemies, to see their enemies enslaved and driven before them in shame, and to hear the lamentation of their enemies' women and children. Ah, yes, the fairy tale of those conquering men, women, those able to press down and destroy those that they despise and dislike and hate. For this type of fairy tale or its belief, look no further than the world of politics, who the entire goal is to do nothing but to destroy those that oppose them, to cause them to serve them, and then, of course, to hear the joyful cries of those suffering underneath such a rule. Fairy tale number seven. The fairy tale of the pleasure beds. Once upon a time, there was a land where men and women were free from sexual constraints. They did as they pleased, when they pleased, and with whomever they pleased. There were no consequences or diseases that accompanied such frivolous sexual abandonment and the only evil was for men and women to deny their own sexual desires and pleasures or to attempt to restrain others. Yes, the pleasure bed fairy tale where we get to convince children of a world that doesn't exist, sexual abandonment, and no responsibilities, simply frivolity and carefree love. Fairy tale number eight. The fairy tale of the prosperous thieves. Once upon a time, there was a world where hard work, honesty, and diligence produced poverty and left men unable to feed themselves or care for their families. The only virtuous and long-lasting way to accumulate wealth was to steal it from those that had wealth. An endless supply of wealth was possible for those cunning, crafty, 
and daring enough to take what was earned and produced by another. The only evil was to be caught or hindered by another, or to attempt to be an honest mark for another. The fairy tale of the prosperous thieves, a world where hard work is not only a detriment, but unattainable. Success through an industry doesn't exist. Look no further than our current political systems of what they've tried to convince children of for generations. Well, we'll just tax our way into prosperity. Those people who work hard and honest can't possibly get ahead. You need to work to take it from someone else so that you can care for yourself, your food, your medical care, your leisure time. Everybody deserves to pay for you. Fairy tale number nine. The fairy tale of the loyalty lovers. Once upon a time, the world operated on loyalty and promotion of the gang or the group. All forms of lying and bearing false witness were not only permitted, but expected in order to prosper and live a long life. The only sin was to assist the wayward and evil concepts of justice as against the loyalty of the gang or group. Man's highest honor was in his allegiance to his gang or group affiliate. This is widely taught. Promotion of democracy. The group. The party. This is where prosperity comes. The only evil is to be those who are not loyal to their party, to their group. But all those that are, are permitted to say and do anything that they need to in order to harm those who are their enemies and to help those who are their friends. Fairy tale number 10, and the last of our fairy tales for today. The fairy tale of the dreamers and achievers. Once upon a time, men could not reach their truest potential until they embraced what they coveted and entered the state of self-realization. Coveting those things that belong to another and then working towards taking that which belonged to another to make it their own was one of man's most important tasks. The most grievous sin a man could commit was to allow another to have what they desired. Yes, the fairy tale of the dreamers and achievers where no one should have or be allowed to have more than you or something that you want to be kept from you. You don't have to work towards it. You don't have to earn it. It is your due. It is what is owed to you because of your worth. And you desire, should every desire should be met. Ah, oh, yes. These are our ten fairy tales taught to children in one way or another. See, the problem here is very, very simple. Each of these humanistic fairy tales corresponds to our Ten Commandments. Because the Ten Commandments lay forth things that we are supposed to do 
in the real world, the world that exists. The world of humanism and its fairy tales in their many different types and kinds, despite my attempt to write my own ten that I've seen throughout the world, the doctrines in childcare, in the home that people hold to. See, the fairy tale of the self-existing world, this one is what corresponds with the base doctrine of all education. God says in his first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. God declares himself to be, as Moses asked the question, who will I say has sent me? I am that I am, God said, the self-existent one, the creator, the Lord. And then the first commandment, that's what we see. We see a declaration not of a self-existing world, but a created world. And the creator has made himself known to his creation. More than that, he has become his creation in the person of Jesus Christ and came to earth in the form of man to save his people from their sins. See, fairy tale of the self-existing world leaves children in the dark. They speak of the dark ages, but no, the dark ages are those times of ignorance we have entered into now. God has sent his revelation, his son and his word, and mankind has chosen the dark. There is no bang except the bang of God speaking, let there be light. There is purpose, there is meaning, there is direction. They all come from God. But once you give up God, once you give up the Lord, once you give up God's word, there is nothing. And this is what they want to teach to children. In the tale of the morality makers is where God has said in his, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters under the earth. God declares himself to be the Lord, the one that you must obey, the one who sets the laws of morality and man's abilities, man's actions upon this world. When you teach children that they are their own morality makers, you're teaching them in opposition to the real world. These children are going to grow up thinking and being convinced that they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, and however they want, because they live in a world that is uncreated, worth infinite potentiality. This is a lie. These people hate children and are spinning fairy tales of nefarious intent. But God has revealed himself. He's given his law, his commandments. Wisdom screams in the streets for the simple to turn in. We aren't to leave our children into ignorance as parents, especially as teachers as well. We're supposed to bring our children to the light. And the light is the word of God. The tale of the big nothingness. That nothing really matters. In the third commandment, God says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for he will not hold them guiltless who taketh his name in vain. Now this means that God made the world. 
there is an expectation of obedience to him. There are consequences, both positive and negative, for either his worship or his rejection. There is consequences in the here and the now. There are consequences in the time to come. Life, the second life that is yet to come. Telling children that this is all there is. There is no meaning. This is how you end up with children who will plot and plan the murder of their peers in the public school system as they did way back with Columbine, one of the first most notorious school shootings. People ask themselves, how could these things happen? I say, how could they not? If you were to have a grade book of philosophy, these children would get A pluses. They have been fully sold on the idea of no consequences here and now and no consequences in the life after. In fact, there is no life after. There's the big nothing. Don't be upset when people finally believe the fairy tales that you're spinning. Don't be upset. Embrace it. Be proud of it. Now, as a Christian, it's vile. It's disgusting when people do such things as mass murder. But to those who spin the, ter- the fairy tale of the big nothingness, why would you be upset? There is no purpose. There is no meaning. What you think doesn't matter. You can't judge them. You can't judge their actions. And after all, what does it matter? They're going nowhere. Into nothing. So whatever they want to do, they should just do it. Free. To be me. The fourth fairy tale is the carefree carnivals. This idea where God says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. The seventh, of course, is the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work is part of what man is created for. Man is not made for leisure, he is made for productivity. He is made to care for God's world. Man has purpose. And see, We are supposed to have leisure time, but the work comes first. A man finds his purpose in his work. You find a man who has work, and I will tell you a man who is happy. Find a man who is idle, and I will tell you a man who is discontented. Look no further than all people who try to attempt to go into an early retirement where they have a life of leisure with no work. There is no fulfillment there. And the vast majority of people who enter into retirement are dead five years later. They have no purpose in their lives. Man is made to work under God to take care of God's world. This is where he will find his true enjoyment. He should rest and find, yes, enjoyment in his rest. But the real work is where real enjoyment is found. And when children are taught this, it brings them satisfaction A work ethic, which the normal person, just look around you, the college student, they wish a life of leisure. They wish a life without work. They want free housing, free college work, free college care, free everything. They don't wish to labor. They don't wish to be productive. They are wastrels. They are the world's losers created by humanistic, carefree carnival theologies and fairy tales.
Our fifth one was the lone wolves. Where God says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Not only does it tell you to listen to your parents and obey them, it also gives you obligations to care for children, to take care of them, to sacrifice for them. Those people who claim to be Christians in particular, who do not meet the needs of their uh, children and family, have denied their faith, despite whatever physical or verbal professions they might make. But in the fact of what they've done, they've denied their own professions. Man is made for sacrifice. Man is made for obedience. Man is made to be responsible. Man is made to have allegiance and honor. But humanistic man seeks to remove itself from all such constraints. The free man is the unallegianced one. He is the one who can go and do whatever he wants. He can sleep with whoever who he sleeps with. He doesn't have to have a wife. He doesn't have to be responsible for his kids. He can just go and do whatever he wants. And this is the humanistic man's utopian idea. The lone wolf with no obligations to anyone for anything. Look no further than the college campuses for a simple example of what we're talking about here. The wastrels that would go down into Portland, Oregon and try to take over city blocks. For what purpose? None. No purpose. Not building anything. Doing nothing, these people. They're the world's losers. They want free everything. They want to build nothing. They want to produce nothing. They want to just live free and let live a world that doesn't exist. God's world is a world of obligations. Obligations beginning with God. And that is why they hate the concept of obligations to others. Because all obligations to others start with the reason being God has said you have obligations to others. So to get rid of obligations, they have to get rid of God to be their own free agent. Our sixth fairy tale was the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Means that we should not seek to harm others. God tells us we should seek the benefit of others. To sacrifice for others. But that's not what humanism says. Get what you can get. Hurt who you can hurt. There is no reason to help others. Only help those that you wish to help. Now humanism attempts, attempts to have such a idea and concept. But it doesn't really. You can just look at what's happened in the last year and a half with COVID-19. And all the shutdowns. They don't care about people. They care about power. They don't have a care about trying to truly help others. They just want power. And if it means to crush those who are their enemies, well, then that's what is going to be the best thing to do. That's what you see in the world today. Humanism does not love mankind. Humanism are those that love themselves and in general hates its fellow man. The seven was the fairy tale of the pleasure beds. God's commandment says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. See, God's commandment is very simple. It talks about how you live in a real world, made by God, defined by God. And God's going to tell you how to live in it prosperously. And that is through God honoring monogamy, not through some sort of free love where man can go from one person to the next. They know that this world does not exist. Sexual 
repercussions, STDs, HIV, AIDS, and all between. It's a common known fact. People who attempt to live in such ways have a very painful life in every way imaginable and very short lives. And many of them, many of them, take their own lives, either through suicide or through overdose, from medications and others. This is not a beautiful pleasure bed. This is a painful deathbed. The fairy tale of the prosperous thieves is interesting because these people don't believe that hard work is the real way to go. See, God teaches that honesty and industry is the way to go and that wealth is gained through obedience to the Ten Commandments, where humanism wishes a world where those are the suckers and the real people are those who are the con men, the ones that can get money for nothing, live on luck, the gamblers, the politicians... These are the people that you're looking at who wish to take your money and they're going to live like kings while producing nothing and just being your overlords. It's not very difficult to see but a few of their little parties and you can tell that while you're in lockdown and masked up and your kids masked up, well, they're out partying. They're wearing their big old dresses, having cocktail parties because they are the elite. These are the people who are the prosperous thieves, the ones at the top, the elite, who will utilize all of us prosperous people, industrious people, and tax, 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 tax you until you have nothing left to give, nothing more than a milk cow to be milked dry. Well, at least this is their idea, but it doesn't work out the way that they would like it to. And those people who are the most blessed in this world are those who are the most hardworking, frugal, and industrious. The rest, they come to want, pity, and judgment. The fairy tale, the fairy tale of the loyalty lovers are those people who do not bind their tongue. They're not careful about what they say or how they say it. In fact, they use every word as a weapon. This is not seen just on social media, which is where it's seen in particular, but it's seen everywhere in the world, especially in the world of politics and in media. In fact, during President Trump's administration and over the last year and a half under Biden, as we've had the new presidency, we have seen unfiltered venom from people. Speaking false witness, lying about everything under the sun, doesn't matter what it is. No one can be trusted. And for these people, if you want to get ahead, then you have to join the group. If not, you'll be canceled. If not, you'll be attacked. You'll be demonized. Well, that's not the way the world works. Those people are going down into the pit. And for us, we teach our children the opposite. They are supposed to love God's commandments and speak with an honest tongue. That will promote them. The tenth fairy tale and last one has to do with covetousness. Man is believed that if he can understand himself and be true to himself, then that's the way ahead. When the idea and concept is not to be true to yourself, the concept is to be true to God. Man cannot be trusted. His heart is wayward, and he wants those things that will destroy him. And if man is going to move ahead in this world, he's to lean on God's understanding and not his own. He has to lust after those things that God said he should lust after. 
he should desire those things that he can have for himself, but not what belongs to another. You have to ask yourself this question. What is the source of man's fairy tales and his rejection of God and the curse of the blindness that God puts him on afterwards? Well, it's very simple to understand, and we're going to close up this section of the humanistic fairy tales with Romans 1, 20 through 32. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to the corruptible man, into birds, and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to the uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind, to do things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that which they commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Romans 1, 20 through 32. This is the crux. This is where the rejection comes from. These blind men, these humanists, they would believe or like to think that they have rejected God. They are the ones who have rejected God's supposed assent to fact, that they have not been proven. God has not revealed himself sufficiently for them. God says, you can see the world. You know that these things are not self-existent. These men then refuse to acknowledge that which is clearly seen in the world. And then something happens. God gives them over to a reprobate mind. See, it's not them that have rejected God, and that's where they are at now. It's that God has seen their rejection and has also given them over 
to go all in. To go all in. They go all in, not just in a mental ascent, but in every way physical as well. This should scare anyone who ever reads these verses. Because God is saying, I know what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I'm not blind. And because you've rejected me, I reject you. They profess themselves wise and they become fools. God gives them up to their vile affections. They would boast in their desires one towards another. And God is the one who gave them over. He's taken off his hand of restraint upon them so they can build up judgment upon judgment upon judgment upon themselves. See, if we are going to be Christian parents and Christian teachers, we cannot allow our children to live in a world of fairy tales. We cannot allow them to attempt to reject God without us having tried to stand in the gap. Fairy tales are not for children. Children need the truth. Leave fairy tales to those men who rejected God and who God has rejected in turn. Leave it to them. We don't argue with them. We don't debate with them. We don't try to change their minds, but we do one thing. We do try to take children from them. These people hate children. They are blind guides that want children to join them along their blind path that goes into the ditch. And Christian parent, Christian teacher, you stand in the gap attempting to call the children away from the blind guides and out of the ditch onto the path of righteousness which leads to eternal life. You will try your best as your duty as the parent, as your duty as the teacher, to guide them towards God and away from fairy tales. The further they go into fairy tale belief and a rejection of God, the further God rejects them and turns them over to themselves and eventually judgment. If you love children, you would not allow them to reject God without attempting to teach them otherwise. You cannot convert children, but you can teach them properly. You can save children a world or maybe even a potentially a lifetime of pain by teaching them the truth when they're young. Christians need to get involved in their home primarily, but also in society. We're going to move on now to our Preschool Pioneers Field Guide. It's our second section here. I want to remind our listeners that you can... Check out more podcasts, not just Preschool Pioneers, at our parent network at cr101radio.com. Lots of podcasts on there. And find this podcast also with all of its episodes. For our Preschool Pioneers field guide today, I want to talk about building lasting relationships. Well, building lasting relationships are very interesting because there is a couple things that you have to do. One is always stay calm. When you're dealing with anybody and talking to any parent or teacher or child, 
you always have to remain calm in all that you do. The second thing is when you're dealing with things, always be a question asker. You gotta love questions. Questions helps you properly understand another person. It doesn't matter if it's a child or a staff member. It's definitely a, a parent or a customer. Questions are always good because that helps you understand them. Also, asking questions helps you later on prepare an answer because you can't answer those things that you don't understand. Third thing, you always want to attempt to resolve issues um, that might be behind certain things. Like say you have a problem with a staff member or a problem with a parent. You always want to attempt to handle not just issues that are mentioned. But when you ask those questions, you dig out from people things that uh, are issues, but they're about kind of behind the issue. They're the real issues that kind of people sometimes are embarrassed about. And so you kind of have to dig those out from people. But you want to attempt to do that. And I can't, I can't say it enough that when you're dealing with people, lasting relationships are calm, I mean, are very difficult. Not just staying calm and asking questions and you know attempting to resolve issues. But you really have to reassure people of your intentions. I mean, your intentions are really, really important. See, you never want to leave your intentions, your personal intentions, to someone else's imagination. Always tell them up front what you're saying, why you're saying it, what your hopes are, what your fears are. That's how you're going to properly communicate with somebody. People can't read your mind, just like you can't read theirs. Asking questions allows you to get into their mind. Asking more questions helps you understand what they've said. And you just need to come out and just state your intentions. Don't leave it to imagination. Always be humble and sincere when you talk to people. I, I think it's important, your tone of voice... Uh, how you ask questions, what you say about yourself, if you compliment, if you insult. Everything is very important, but being humble is always important. You never want to come at somebody and just hit them upside the head with, you did something wrong or we need to discuss this. You always want to come to somebody with the intention to repair a relationship. Always to build a proper relationship. A sincere person can be seen. An insincere person can also be seen. So if you want to build what I call lasting relationships, I don't care what the issue is. Always stay calm. Always ask questions. Get big, that, make that a life goal for yourself, to be a question asker. Always want to properly understand another person. Never just try to imagine what they're about. I know that I'm probably more guilty than almost anybody of you know, thinking too much about what somebody said or why they said it, why they did that. And you don't be like that. You know everybody else is like that because you're like that. So always let people know what your intentions are. Just boom, out the gate. And that way people can't ever misunderstand you. In fact, it's one of my favorite things to say is I don't want you to misunderstand me. So boom, and then I explain myself. And it really helps. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had that that's been the case. But being humble, being sincere, you will build lasting relationships. If you don't, then it's a bit more complicated to build lasting relationships unless you do those things. But uh, no relationships, uh, absolutely no relationships are built on pride. So 
So humility is what almost all relationships are built on. Speaking of which, I'd like to go into our next section after having given you some ideas, uh, practical ways to build lasting relationships. And um, that goes along with our comments from our clients. Um, Grace Community School, we have our website, gracecommunityschools.com. There are some uh, reviews there on our site. And these are some things that you're looking for, talking about building relationships with people. From uh, Tatiana, quote, I love everything about Grace Community. My brother attended a location 10 years ago. Still the same great teachers and workers. My daughter is one, is learning so much from this uh, being her very first time in daycare. An amazing choice, unquote. So Tatiana there points out something that I like to point out for you, the listener, if you're running a school or thinking about it, is we're around, Grace Community School's been around for over 30 years now. This person has had at least 10 years of experience with her brother and uh, now is bringing their, their daughter back. See, childcare is very important. You build a relationship not with just the people, but with the community. You can take deep roots in the community. You can make a difference in your community. You can combat the concept of humanism on a societal level, up beyond just your family. And it's not about political activism. It's about helping people and children, giving them what they really need to be a thriving child and have a thriving life. Sarah says, quote, Moving to a new town as a single mother can be very overwhelming. Grace Community School has been a godsend. They're incredibly flexible and offer before and after school care. On those mornings when I need to be in the office early, I just drop them off with no issues. Check in and check out are very quick. Everyone is incredibly friendly, like a big family. I had no conflicts and my son is very safe there. On days when there is no school, I can count on Grace Community. When I was unable to get weeks at summer camp, Grace Community School was also there to fill in. I can always count on them, and I love the stability. My son will often come home and tell me about something special that happened with one of the staff. He's learning Bible knowledge, which I love. I would not have been able to transition to my job without Grace Community School. Thank you so much for being there. Unquote, Sarah. See, this is another wonderful example of what you want for your clients. Single mother, so somebody who definitely needs help. Somebody who is working mother, trying to do best for their family. Wants something stable. Wants somebody dependable. Here, it talks about how they're glad that we teach Bible to their child. That we're always somebody they can count on. That should be the Christian testimony in their community. Stable. Long-lasting, dependable, always there, helpful, and that's what you're looking for. These examples that I give on Preschool Pioneers, I give, well, not just to pat myself on the back and our schools on the back, which I do, of course, but it's to promote what you're looking for. If you're attempting to be a successful Christian school teacher or preschool, then this is the kind of stuff that you're looking to get. These are the kind of testimonies that you want. This is the kind of witness that you want. I know we talk a lot about the philosophical side of things here on the show. 
which is what I did with the fairy tales of humanism and all the rest of stuff at the beginning of the show. But the reason why we do so is because those ideas impact the real world applications of what you do and specifically what you teach and what you promote and what the end goal is going to be eventually for the child. For these people that have come to my school or uh, will be coming to my school, I want them to know that my end goal is always the prosperity of their child and to help them live in the real world, the world that exists today. I want them to prosper in every shape, form, and fashion imaginable here, now, and their entire life. And hopefully, if God will, by the grace of God, have life eternal. And so that should be your goal. But the world needs Christian teachers. But you have to get out there. You have to get involved. The world is not going to influence itself. God sent men out there on purpose to disciple the nations. I would like to promote people to get out there, to make a difference, to engage their communities. Don't just complain about the culture. Get involved. Get yourself inspired. Get yourself equipped and get yourself involved. For more information, if you'd like to get involved, go to our website at gcsapprenticeship.com for more information and visit our website at cr101radio.com forward slash preschool pioneers for more of our podcasts. Until then, thank you for joining me and God bless.